0: You can move the prospect. You can persuade them to read through the whole website and sign up. But the problem is if you didn't think from the start, uh, their whole entire user journey and experience and they, and when they sign up, you're not really matching uh, their expectations or their motivations and you're not prioritizing the right features, for example, in the dashboard. That's where cognitive dissonance comes into play.
1: We all strive for more nowadays. More traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Christopher Silvestri. Christopher or Chris is a SaaS and e-commerce conversion copywriter. He was a former UX lead at the usability testing startup Conversion Crimes and previously at the conversion design agency Zida Labs. Chris has been working as a copywriter and CRO specialist for online brands since 2016. Christopher, welcome to the show.
0: Hey Dodgers, thank you for having me.
2: So before we get started, I would like to, as I do with, you know, uh, every guest that we have here at the show, ask a couple of things about you. Uh, To begin with, I guess that it would be very nice uh, if you could share with us a few things about your background and specifically what has brought you to where you are today.
0: Yeah, sure. So I actually started um, what I do now back in 2015 on the side, as most people do. And like what I call my old life, I was basically, I was a software engineer in a totally different field. It was industrial automation. So I I don't know if you've ever seen those robots that assemble plastic components in like factories. So I was basically programming those. And I did that for 10 years, but I was, I was also playing music with my band. And one of the things that kind of uh, made me change my mind and field uh, was that I wanted to tour and play music a bit more and my, jobs, my job was the opposite of being flexible. They were sending me all over the world for installations and stuff. So, so what, I, what I decided doing was starting uh, to learn online marketing and try different business models uh, for a couple of years on the side. So mostly weekends, evenings and uh, At some point, I stumbled on copywriting, and I actually loved the psychology that's behind it and understanding people. And I did that for two years, I think, always on the side, like doing my first, uh, having uh, getting my first couple of clients. I worked on Upwork first at the beginning, and then, yeah, basically in 2017, uh, I decided to jump ship and uh, started to do that uh, full time. I actually stumbled on like the agency that I used to work with, um, at a conference, uh, which was pretty like a random event, serendipitous event, because I won the tickets for the conference, uh, by applying to like a survey. <laughs> so I was a, a two, one of the two guys who won the tickets out of, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people. So I, I met, uh, Founder at the agency, we worked together for two years, and then we decided to. She decided uh, to kind of create her vision, which was this usability testing startup, which is now is called Conversion Crimes. So we transitioned from agency to usability testing, and that's where I learned all the UX uh, design um, skills that I have now. And last year, I decided to move on from that uh, to go back on my own, and uh, now I'm basically trying to combine UX the UX skills that I got in, a couple, in the last couple of years with the copywriting, conversion copywriting uh, skills. And that's where Conversion Alchemy uh, was born, <laughs> basically.
2: It, it sounds like a, like a long journey. So yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> nowadays you, you run Conversion Alchemy. Um, can you please uh, tell us a couple of things about uh, the, the, the agency? Um, what kind of services do you provide and who gets the most value out of the, mm. out of the service?
1: Yeah.
0: So, conversion alchemy—it's um, a cop- conversion copywriting agency with a twist. I say so. I don't know if you're familiar. There's an author that wrote uh, "Still Like an Artist." It's uh, called uh, Austin Cleon, and wrote a couple of books. And his philosophy, like his way of saying what he does, is uh, he calls himself uh, a writer who draws. And uh, and lately, you, you also see some develop uh, some uh, yeah some. Um, people who can actually like designers who can code. So what I do is I, I would say that I'm I'm a copywriter of designs. I don't design uh, website mockups or, or apps. What I design it's more uh, customer experiences um, and user journeys. And uh, yeah, everything starts uh, obviously with the research, which I always tell my clients is 60, 70% of the work and they are always surprised or shocked by that. <laughs> And because, yeah, you call yourself a copywriter, but actually the research is most of the work. And that's why I also decided to call it conversion alchemy. It's not only uh, copywriting. Um, After the research, then uh, we turned all the findings into copy. And then I lay out all the copy in in wireframes, which are website layouts, not branded. So no... I don't select the fonts, uh, I don't pick the colors, that's all. That's everything that a designer will do after, Uh, but it gives a great idea of how the copy should flow, uh, how it should be placed on the website. So a designer just need to pick that and implement it on the website. So this is uh, pretty much a high level process of what I do. And yeah, I I work mostly with six, seven figure e-commerce or SaaS clients. And most of my clients are companies that um, they have product market fit so they're profitable but they somehow they they got stuck because they don't know much about their customers so they don't know how to position themselves to stay competitive and that's when i come in and kind of give them the edge that they need to move past that block
2: okay that all sounds very interesting and i guess that uh, it makes sense that you have the word alchemy in there because uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it sounds like there is science uh, behind you know, your methodology and your, your approach as well. Uh, it's not so easy as most people may think. Um, my first question is, you have obviously extensive experience working with SaaS companies. And I would like to hear uh, your thoughts on what are some of the most common mistakes that you see SaaS companies make, uh, specifically when it comes to their website copy and UX Design. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So actually, uh, one mistake that comes to mind now because I'm working with a client right now on it. It's uh, some of these clients tackle conversion optimization projects the wrong way, and what I mean by that is that they they think they have to redesign the website, maybe because they see the conversion are low or something, and they see the competitors are getting are moving forward. So what they do is. Let's contact a branding design agency, right? <laughs> because that's the thing that we have to do. But the thing is uh, a branding agency yeah, can be good uh, on the design aspect to give you to give you like an identity, especially if you have to uh, shift in, in the market. But the problem is that if you design the website with only branding in mind and, no, and not studying uh, your customers and understanding how conversions work, Then all that comes after, uh, it's kind of like in the wrong place, in the wrong sequence. So what I always recommend my clients is first to do all the research and craft a copy. Obviously, sometimes you just need like a quick project or refresher, so you don't have to follow the exact sequence. and you can do smaller, smaller, quicker projects, but usually Copy and research should always come first before the, the design and the branding. So, and right now what I'm doing with this client is they just launched a new website. So everything's designed and what we're doing to avoid redo everything, which is, would be a pain. You're basically researching and I'm basically spotting where the gaps are in the research, in their positioning. And we will we'll try to maintain as much as possible the layout of the current website and uh, i'm going to just fill in the gaps with the improved copy or slight change in changes in the layout but that's not ideal so that's not something that i recommend my clients so this is one thing uh, design project uh, process uh, approach the wrong way another thing it's uh, thinking about customer personas uh, the wrong way so A lot of companies think about their customers in terms of demographics, uh, location, gender, occupation, interests, all the stuff. The way that I see personas is more of uh, thinking about them in terms of uh, their mindset when they get to the website and the context that's behind it. Um, Those are two super important things that affect everything that comes after the conversions. Because you basically have to think of your customers in in terms of what are they thinking when they get to the website? What what did they see before they get to the website? What are they expecting to see? And it's all in their minds, right? So the the only way to figure that out is to ask them to do the research and to create these uh, kind of like snapshots of the whole customer journey. So from the moment they find you to the moment they are about to convert or they sign up for a trial. To the moment they try the product and then convert to the paid one and after to the moment they refer you so can mapping you all that out
1: yeah
2: can you share an example of uh, because this is this sounds very interesting to me can you serve please an example of, of of mindset um yeah what could be the mindset of someone who is going to try for example um let's say um a presentation software
0: yeah. So or
2: you know, if you have an, an example in your mind, yeah, I would like yeah, yeah. to hear that.
0: Actually, yes. As far as mindset, what I mean by that is uh, usually, I think, in terms of uh, various factors. So there's um, uh, their stage of awareness. So, how much do they know about the product? And how much do we need to tell them? Then there's also their level of sophistication. So, are they familiar with similar products? Do they know uh, how they work? Do they need more explanation? then the other factor is what types of decision makers are they are are they more of like the emotional spectrum and these are all like spectrum so there's gradients are they more on the emotional side so they do they need to see more images of people on the website or they or they are more mostly uh, logical so they need a lot of explanation and detail and also uh, how do they consume information so are they uh slow uh, in their decision making are they more like fast so and what do we need to tell them in order to match all those uh, factors do they decide right away when they see the 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 header the first call to action at the top of the page or do we need to kind of bring them down before they actually click because otherwise their click uh, kind of creates the wrong expectations so all those factors Contribute to their like the mindset and the snapshot that we want to understand uh, when people get to the website.
2: All this sounds very interesting to me. And the problem that I have with with you know customer avatars, personas, you can call them mm-hmm. however you like, is the fact that it's like it's a task that that needs to be to be done. You know, and once we do it, okay, we can forget about the, the customer avatars or personas that we have created, um, and uh, we can revisit them when we will hire an agency in a couple of years and they will ask us for our customer avatars. And we, you know, the reply will be, Oh yeah, we did that uh, a couple of years ago. Let me, let me, you know, uh, take it with a team and uh, get back to you. I think that's a bit problematic. Um, and I think that your approach makes more sense, uh, for, as, as I, as I hear that, but I would like to dive a bit deeper into that and, you know, understand how, uh, can we uh, retrieve this kind of information? Is it mm. that we have to do customer interviews? Is it that we have to run a customer survey? Is it that you know it should be uh, a combination of these things, something different? What's your approach here?
0: Yeah. So uh, what you mentioned, uh, customer interviews are probably the most helpful because they give you a lot of uh, like very vivid insights and language. And voice of customer data, so I would definitely push for those. Uh, Sometimes it's difficult, um, but that's also depend on um, on how much your customers value your product. That's also one thing that uh, I'm trying to work with clients. So they don't understand that if their customers don't really value the product, they are not really incentivized either to give them information. So that's also where my work comes in. I help them communicate their value better, so their customers are more excited <laughs> to share <laughs> with them. So customer interviews, definitely uh, customer surveys. Um, I also run them. The only problem with uh, a lot of customer service that I've seen, especially some surveys that are ran, I mean, it's not a problem. Actually, they, it's just that they focus on different factors. For, for example, branding agencies. When they ask questions, they obviously focus more on um, brand the identity about how the brand is perceived while the service that i run uh, obviously need to be focused on the entire journey so what i try to do is with the question that questions that i ask is to try and map out the entire uh, customer journey so i ask them questions about the consideration phase so before even uh, thinking about this product Were they using any other solution, which doesn't even need to be a similar product? Were they doing it in a different way? Then when did they start to actually consider and evaluate different solutions and uh, which ones were there? Um, then I try to ask them questions about the evaluation stage. So yeah, what, what pushed them uh, during their evaluation process to move to my client product, my client's product. And and obviously from there to the point of conversion uh, and after. So I also asking them how would, would they recommend the product to to a friend, for example, just to give to get an idea of how they perceive the product and especially focusing on uh, obstacles. So what were the obstacles in their path or some anxieties or objections that they had, and you can only do this especially uh, Surveying customers that are not uh, super old customers. So, I try to do that with customers that are like six months maximum old so they have a fresh idea of the, the entire experience in their minds. So, yeah, these kinds of surveys are super helpful um, in combination with the, with the customer interviews. Sometimes you could also, uh, you could even survey customers and at the end of the survey, ask them if they want to join a call. To go deeper into their responses. That's a good way to convert a survey into an interview. Um, other things I do to understand these, it's uh, I look a lot of, uh, at user interaction uh, data. So that can be a software like Hotjar. I go and look at heat maps, which uh, tell you where people click, uh, how people consume the page, how the, where do they scroll, and also user recordings. Which, if you, I try to watch at least fifty, fifty to a hundred of user recordings for each client, and you start seeing patterns of how they consume the content, and that tells you where the copy, the most important copy, should be placed, or how the the website should flow, and many other things. So that's uh, user interaction. Another thing, it's uh, website surveys, website polls. So you, you obviously, it's important to understand your current customers, but it's also important to understand the the visitors that get to to your website, so people who are not yet customers and uh, to get an idea about what kind of uh, persona they are, Uh, obviously using multiple choices so they don't have to think to write a ton of stuff, Uh, asking them uh, One good thing that is useful for website service, and it's surprising how many people reply to those, a lot of my clients say, oh, uh, I tried those, but nobody replies. But (laughs) if you actually ask the right questions and don't make it hard for them to do it, you can be surprised how, how many replies you get. And also, the important thing is to ask questions that are tailored to the page where you use them. So if you ask, if you want to know something about the last mile obstacle before signing up, you can just add a a poll on the pricing page, for example, asking what's, what might be preventing you for, from signing up today, right? And you only ask that on the pricing page Uh, and so on. So these are all things that help you map out the customer journey. Uh, other things that I took from a UX design background, it's usability testing, obviously. I do a lot of that, which can be great, especially at the beginning to spot uh, big areas for improvement, uh, things that are broken, especially in the uh, on the technical side, but also on the copy side, if something is confusing or the, the, the expectations are not set correctly. The only problem with user testing is that it's hard to get the the exact uh, target audience, especially if you do it remotely. So it would be great to be able to do it in person, but obviously, especially nowadays, it's hard. But yeah, that's another great thing. And there are some good platforms that you can do that uh, quite cheap. So it's all good. Yeah.
2: I would like to to mention something here. with regards to customer service, uh, a couple of weeks uh, ago we we started working with with a new client, and um, we are in the process of doing keyword research and um, audience uh, research and trying to understand um, what's obviously is our what is our target audience and <clears throat> what are the things that these people may be looking for uh, online uh, when it comes to uh, solutions like you know our client solution mm-hmm. and. Um, Coincidentally, no, um, and um, our client, uh, a couple of weeks before we start, you know, uh, we get on the engagement, uh, had run a survey, customer survey from paying customers, and I was going through the, the, the answers that these customers gave, and it was pure gold. Like, mm. they, they, they essentially tell you Exactly you know how they they use the product, uh, what they were using before um, this you know this solution this product, um, and in, in some cases what what really struck me was that there was a question about what you, what kind of solution you, you used before that, um, and some of them um, pointed to a specific software that quite frankly i didn 't have in mind uh, when <clears throat> excuse me, we we got into the engagement. I was like, do people really use that? I, I didn't know that solution. I wasn't aware of it. And also, it helped us g- get a, a very deep understanding of what the target audience is. And I was like, okay, now we know that we are targeting, uh, in this case, website uh, development agencies. And this is, this is extremely important because it ch- changes our perspective as to how we can approach these people. It's not like just we, we can approach them just by targeting the keywords that they may be using and the search terms and so on and so forth. We can approach them in many different ways because we know that they are website development agencies and website development agencies are not looking so, uh, solely for the solution that we offer. They are looking for many other things. And I was really surprised by the, the value of such a, such a survey. Um, and it's something that I guess that we will be suggesting to, to our clients uh, moving forward because there, there is true value there. Uh, I, was, I was really fascinated by it. And um, I'd like to shift gears a bit. Um, and uh, even though I'm, I'm very excited discussing about, you know, customer service and running polls and all these things, and we may get yeah. back to it, <laughs> um, but uh, I would like to, uh, to to focus a bit more uh, on today's topic, which is uh, UX design and copywriting, and I would like to, to ask your opinion uh, when it comes to the connection between the two, UX design mm-hmm. and copywriting, uh, because my feeling is, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but my feeling is that you cannot, you know, say that you optimize the one without the other. Um, and I would like to hear your thoughts as to, um, should it be a combination? Can the one exist without the other? How do you uh, think about that?
0: Mm. Yeah, so the way that I see it, uh, yeah, when you when you write copy, you do it with the customer experience in mind, right? So you, like the entire journey. So the thing that you can you yeah, you can move the prospect, you can persuade them to read through the whole website and sign up. But the problem is if you didn't think from the start uh, their whole entire User journey and experience, and they, and when they sign up, you're not really matching uh, their expectations or their motivations, and you're not prioritizing the right features, for example, in, in the dashboard. That's where cognitive dissonance comes into play, and they, and they actually freak out <laughs> in some way. And that's one of the reasons, uh, maybe, that your product has a high churn, so you're not able to, re- to retain. Uh, a bunch of customers. Uh, So, yeah, I think uh, I definitely agree that the user experience and copy should come together. Uh, Obviously, there are some nuances and some of the things that I noticed when I was working at the agency, uh, speaking of like design um, and copy. Uh, One thing that we've seen was that sometimes it's really hard to first write the whole copy and then send it to a designer to implement because sometimes the copy that you write uh, maybe it doesn't really f- uh, it doesn't really fit uh, the new design, so the way that we used to do it was kind of like in uh, mixed stages. So I used to write the copy in a Google Doc, for example, but I was pre formatting the copy. So if a designer looked at the page. They, uh, they kind of intuitively, intuitively know, knew the, the flow and the structure and kind of the sections of the website, how they should have been designed. So we were already on the same page. It wasn't, uh, two distinct phases. It was kind of mixed. And then we moved on to, I was finishing the draft and they were already preparing the template for the website. So it, the, the two things were moving along sideways. And at the end, we basically met up, uh, caught up at, uh, at a certain point. And, uh, and that's where, uh, yeah, the, the copy kind of uh, fit the final form of the of the website of design. So that's, I think, a good way to, to work with the designer. It's, uh, yeah, start writing the copy, but also have the, the final design and layout in mind. And that's why I, I do these wireframes, which are not uh, final mockups, but they basically show you, It's like a template, like the layout of the page so that a designer, when he's looking at them, can already start and set up the the layout, the frame and everything. So yeah, the copy and UX should definitely go along together. Uh, I would say, though, there's um, if you already have done like the research part and know your positioning and know how copy should flow, I would definitely think that you you could do and you should be able to do some only some ux adjustments or only some copy adjustments but if you're starting from scratch and haven't done the whole part that comes before on the research and everything you should definitely start with both in mind together
2: yeah um, i must say that i agree here i would like to discuss a bit uh, usability testing it's something that you touched on uh, a bit earlier <clears throat> in my mind and i guess that in most people's you know uh, minds when 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 they hear the word usability testing, they think of running a, a poll on a website, a simple poll that asks you know, whether or not you found this page useful, uh, which I assume is not you know, what usability testing is all about. And I guess that in most cases this happens because uh, a marketer wants to um, kind of justify uh, their subscription to a, a usability testing tool. Um, But I would like to hear your thought process and process when working with clients when it comes to usability testing. What could be the objectives, for example, of a landing page with uh, commercial intent for a SaaS company? Uh, And how do you uh, structure your process uh, in a way that you you manage to meet those objectives? Mm.
0: Yeah, so uh, as far as... Uh Kind of ways to get useful data, I would say there's not only usability testing, so there's usability testing, which is testing with uh, real users and you get videos of these users using the website or, or going through the page and commenting on what they are experiencing. So you get uh, good qualitative data there, but might not be the, the exact audience. Then there's user interaction, which is hot jar and you get videos, but without the comments, basically. And you see how people interact with the page. And there's their surveys, which is what the website poll are. So it's website service compared to email surveys. And those are good to ask quick questions, to give more qualitative data that you can use for to understand the personas, the use cases. And uh, if there is something that's not clear. So if you combine those three, there's a good chance that you understand what's wrong with the page and how to improve it and, and pretty quickly because with uh, website polls, you could probably get, depending on the traffic, obviously, you could probably get data in two weeks just to just I, I would later on one or two week weeks because you need to map out the, the whole week and the, the trends of each day. And usability testing, you could always get result, results in one or two weeks, depending on the platform that you're using. And yeah, user interactions kind of the same, depending on the traffic, two weeks. So in two weeks, you could actually look at the page, collect the data and understand what needs to be improved. Um, and yeah, as far as uh, writing, um, usability testing or surveys, for example, some of these polls that I see, especially, which is weird, <laughs> those ran by bigger companies, which might be, they might be using these polls <laughs> in the way that you <laughs> described, just to justify the platform. Uh, but for example, one thing that I ask is, like, did you find what you were looking for? That's pretty useless, right? So one, one thing that I would add, did you find what you were looking for? If not, why? At least you understand the reason, if it's a, like an open field. That's a good one. Um, Another, another question that I ask at the end, usually, because I sometimes I ask four or five questions. The last one is usually, um, do we have any questions that haven't been answered on this page? And that tells me if everything's clear, especially in some of the last steps in the funnel it can be like a pricing page, for example, or an FAQ page. Uh, yeah, it's important with these service to, uh, Customize them, also as I mentioned before. So maybe you have one for the home page that targets more visitors to understand what kind of personas they are when they land on the page, and then craft one for the the checkout and ask something like uh, I don't know what's holding back what's holding you back from signing up today to understand there any obstacles or rejections. Uh, yeah, the, it's important to keep in mind that uh, compared to email service they send with the website polls, you're asking visitors, right? So it's a different kind of uh, segment, I would say. And both tell tell you uh, really useful uh, information.
2: I, I have a follow-up question here, um, which is, do you ever happen to run uh, such usability tests in the blog section of a website or, you know, a content piece that may be important for this website from an organic standpoint? Or is it just landing pages, regardless of uh, the traffic source, like PPC or uh, organic?
0: Yeah. No, it's, it, it might happen. Uh, it happened that I ran them on a blog, especially when the blog was the most trafficked landing page of the website. And I needed to understand how, like, uh, how users uh, used to flow on the website starting from there. Uh, so it, you can ask uh, those questions that I mentioned. You can ask them about any uh, information they, they couldn't find. Uh, in that case, I would probably also use heatmaps as well a lot to understand where users stop scrolling, what was the, the drop-off point, and uh, yeah, try to understand them why. And uh, and also user testing, that can be useful. Obviously, it would be more useful if you had the, the same target audience, someone interested in the article who could actually comment on it. Oh yeah, I would definitely. I could definitely see these service kinds of service applied to blog blog pages. At the end of the day, you, as I mentioned, you want to map out the whole journey. So if the journey starts from the blog, let's start there.
2: Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, before we start wrapping up, uh, Christopher, I would like to to ask you one more question, uh, which is very often here at the SAS SEO, so we we discuss about the fact that SAS is moving toward, um towards commoditization. Essentially, we see um, many tools look like uh, each other um, from a UX standpoint, from a design standpoint, from a copywriting standpoint, and so on. And I would like to hear your thoughts when it comes to um, the future of SaaS. What do you think that uh, the future holds for for SaaS companies? Uh, If you want, you can limit your answer to um, copy and UX design. but I would I would really like to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, actually, that's interesting because I'm working uh, with a client now. I'm not saying the name, but, but basically they are working in a field that's very commoditized. So, and, and the thing is, uh, they sell this product, a software product, but it's like most of their customers, I would we'll probably say 80% of their customers are also using competitor products at the same time. And, and that's mostly because they need more. And this is a product that gives you like quantity data. Uh, so, so a lot of the competitors are using multiple products at the same time. And that's kind of an interesting challenge <laughs> that I faced with now. But yeah, I, I agree with you that uh, a lot of these uh, products are being commoditized and uh, some of them are trying to come up with integration with AI. The, the other trend that I'm seeing now, it's uh, a lot of micro uh, software uh, products. So very, super specific to do one thing very well, which I'm actually I'm actually into it a bit as I'm building a, I'm building this Chrome extension uh, basically for doing a website teardowns myself just because I need it. <laughs> so it's okay. an interesting that's experiment. It's interesting. That's an that's interesting. interesting. We, experiment. we would like
2: to, to know more about this when it's done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug.
0: <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Uh, Yes, it's it's an interesting, it's interesting times. And I think also the other thing that we are seeing is that uh, products are getting easier to build and uh, easier to use as well. So going forward, the ease of use is probably going to be a benefit that will be impossible to leverage on the page. And because right now everybody can use any software, they're super easy. The the other thing that I'm seeing is that there is a, these companies, that companies that are trying to eat <laughs> and englobate the entire industry. For example, ClickUp is a company that I, I really like and I, I use for for my work every day. And they're doing stuff so well <laughs> that it really makes it makes it hard for you to even consider any other app because they're doing everything so well. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's kind of hard to compete. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, though, there are companies uh, like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Balsamic. It's a wireframing company. Uh, they they basically help product people uh, wireframe design the layout of apps or website. And they are like a super small company, but they I think they make something a la- around like uh, eight million under revenue. And and the thing they are doing is they are focusing on. Um, longevity rather than growth, which I think is the opposite spectrum. Because ClickUp is just got 400 million in funding, I think. So you see these two realities, like super small, like kind of smaller companies who are doing things uh, with a, like an Avid following and these other huge companies who are eating up <laughs> all the competitors. So that's, a, that's an interesting thing. I think the commonality there which is what I'm trying to do for my clients is that each of these types of companies try to build their own world, their own universe, right? Everything is cohesive from the moment you land on the website, to the app, to the emails that you receive, everything is like a cohesive and memorable experience. So I think that's uh, that's going to be like an important point to leverage if you build any software app to create your own world.
2: That all Around sounds that all sounds very very interesting. Um, Christopher, where people can find more about you and uh, get in touch?
0: Uh, yeah, so people can find me on conversionalchemy.net. and uh, if you want to sign up, I've got a newsletter. I'm writing a monthly newsletter, considering a daily one but not launched yet. It might be interesting. (laughs) But yeah, conversionalchemy.net slash newsletter is uh, the best place. And also on Twitter, you can find me at Chris. That's great. Chris
2: or Christopher, thank you very much for being on the show.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much for having me. It's been great.
1: Another episode of the SAS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.